Hey, what's up? It's Michael. Yo, welcome to the podcast. I got to say it every single time. I got to pimp what I'm doing, you know. First of all, Miami Improv. I will be there September 6th and 7th. Get your tickets, michaelyo.com. And then in Seattle, I know I'm going to be there uh, that Friday and Saturday, end of um, September. It's at Laugh Seattle. But then I'm doing a small venue the night before in Seattle. So I'm doing three shows, four or five shows. Uh, michaelyo.com for all the tickets and all that information. Man, we are in the middle of baby season. All my friends are having babies. My wife, we're more than halfway there, man. So I'm getting in all my tour dates i'm a tour to like november i think my last date is like november 2nd or 3rd and then i'm done because the doctor told us the baby could come early wow ernie the producers over the sweaty ernie from old school if you listen to the yo joe show are you are you nervous uh because you know i know you've done this already are you like a pro i will tell you this it's different this time around because when we first had oliver you know everything was so exciting it's like oh my god everything we watched was for the first time now like when we go to the doctor's office you can't have that same excitement because i'm chasing my son around missing everything we're doing sonographs and my son's like what's this trying to grab uh like stuff off the shelves so literally it's just my wife with the doctor looking at the sonogram and i'm chasing my son around which i love and i love my son but it's it's totally different the second time around i'm not as nervous i still get scared like i remember the first time I was like, man, I was so strict on my wife and I felt so, I was like a trainer. I was like, you can't eat this. You can't eat this. You know, you got to eat greens. You got to, like, I was reading all these books. I'll be honest with you, second time around, I haven't read anything. Like, I'm just so, <laughs> like, this next kid, I don't know. It may come, I don't know how it's going to come out, but. Do you guys take classes and stuff or do you guys We do haven't taken any classes the second time. I okay. think we'll take a CPR again. Uh, I don't even know if we're supposed to go to classes again. I mean, I, I have no idea. Like, that's how unprepared we are for the second one. We don't even have a baby room yet for it. You guys, do you guys like really squat up? Like, some people get like doulas and, and all that stuff. You no, we go to the hospital. Oh, just- because, and I'm lucky we went to the hospital because, uh, with our son, we got to the hospital and my wife was like three centimeters. And I think to, uh, like to be prepared, it's like nine or 10. I'm not sure. I'm probably screwing all these numbers up. But once we got to the hospital, she opened up so fast. The baby got stuck in almost like a vacuum in her. Oh, wow. Yeah. In the wow. vajayjay. Wow. A vacuum vajayjay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So my son, so it's crazy because what that does, and I'm learning about this, it scares the baby and then it cuts off their air a little bit because they're, they're like, what's going on? What's going on? Wow. So I saw his heart rate, my son's heart rate go from 150 beats to like 80. And I, they hit a red button in the room. All these nurses came in. They were flipping my wife all different type of directions to try to get him out of that, that. And I was like, thank God we didn't do this at home. Like it could have not ended up well. So my thing is like, you know, they have these people that give birth like uh, at these, the doulas, but then they have these places you can go more holistic that's like across the street from the hospital. Oh, like kind of like uh, home births and water births. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. That. But it's across the street from the hospital. Oh, okay. These places. My thing is, if something goes wrong, you're going to bring them to the hospital, but that's a lot of time to get my, just for me, for me. And I've heard the argument that, well, you're bringing them to a place with a bunch of diseases and a bunch of sicknesses there, which is a good statement. I mean, yeah, you, you kind of are, but I would rather a bunch of people that know what they're doing and have yeah, all so, the, so event. they went down. Yeah. So they went down. You're there. Yeah, yeah, which it did. Yeah. Thank God they hit a button. I thought I was in freaking Grey's Anatomy, like an episode. I was scared, man. I was like, oh my God. I, oh, they pushed me into a corner and all I could do was watch. 
It was the most scariest thing in my life, man. It was bananas. So after that, I mean, this is like going to be a walk in the park, right? I oh, mean. <laughs> that's why I'm saying, like, I don't even know what the sex of the kid is. Like, my wife was like, we're not going to know. I don't want to know the sex of the kid. Uh, we're just going to have it. Because let's think about it, Ernie. How many things today are actually a surprise? Nothing. Nothing, not, nothing. Not even a blind date is a surprise anymore because you know what they look like. Like, I, me and my wife met on a blind date, but I knew exactly what she looked like. I know where she was from. She knew exactly what I looked like, exactly where I'm from. So there's nothing to surprise. Like, the only thing, there's really no surprises anymore. So we're going to wait, and uh, everybody wants a girl. I don't care because uh, I was so nervous to have a girl first. Oh, my God. I was Because I felt like I wasn't ready. But now I'm ready for a girl. If we have a girl, great. If we have a boy, great. I'm ready for anything. But I, I know how to take care of a girl. I didn't want to be the first baby a girl, even though, like, to me, they're more precious. You know, like, you don't want to bang them around as much as your first. You know, my son was like a test dummy, you know, like, boing, boing. oh, he didn't break. Okay, let's keep on. Now with a girl, it's like, I know how to protect them and things like that. So I feel like I'm ready. I'm ready for a girl. My wife, I got to get on the pod, man. I want her to talk about it. Yeah, you do. She's so relaxed. So you're not as strict as go around with like the food and stuff like that? I don't care what she eats. Like, that's how much, that's how much it's like, you know, it's, I mean, we eat healthy. Don't get me wrong. We eat healthy, but she loves the snack right now. Like she's, she craves this. I came back from Chicago. I just got back from Chicago. Big shout out to everybody in Chicago. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you uh, for coming out to Chicago improv, but she loves Garrett's popcorn. Have you ever had Garrett's popcorn? I have not. No. What? Yeah. What oh, you got to get some before it? you leave. It's, it's, um uh, like caramel corn with some cheddar corn, like popcorn mixed. Oh, that, that's, those are the best. It's delicious, dude. Like, and she, yeah. and I just had a bowl before we started. I should have gave you some. I'm an ass. Sorry. But, uh, she's craving that for her pregnancy. She craves like certain things at certain times. She was craving pickles like crazy. The first pregnancy, she doesn't even like pickles anymore. It's wow. weird how they Both like different it. things. Wow. But she was also sick a lot, too. So, you know, we'll see. We're having a baby in December, November. We'll see. We'll see. But I was supposed to go to Calgary to perform November 15th and 16th, but we got to cancel that date. Because when we went to the doctor, the doctor was like, hey, I know it's supposed to be at the beginning of December, but we don't know. Yeah. You, you got to be here three weeks before, three weeks after just to make sure. Smart move, man. You yeah. never know. So I'll be here. So literally, we always have Thanksgiving at our house. So all the family is coming over to the house. So everybody will already be here for the baby. Oh, nice. I know. It's nice. Be awesome, man. It'd be great, man. Uh, who's on the show today? Pete Lee? Pete Lee. Dude, let me tell you something about Pete Lee. Pete Lee is one of the funniest comics you will ever see. I, I don't know how he does it. He's known as a regular on Jimmy Fallon. The dude is incredibly funny. He's one of those guys, you know, like when I do stand up, I write about my life. So it's a continuation of a story. Pete Lee is so good. He can watch something on the news and write a whole joke about it and then go perform it that night. And it crushes. It kills. Like he's so talented. Pete Lee is in next. All right. It's the Michael Yo show. Please once again, subscribe, rate and like it. And I will be at the Miami improv September 6th and 7th. Also in Seattle, September 26th, 27th, 28th. Go to my uh, webpage, Michael Yo and check it out. Pete Lee now. The Michael Yo Show. Celebrities. Can be honest, I don't like male strippers. Pop culture. And comedy. 
That's what I'm trying to do is streamline this whole thing into a cult. Plus, 10 things you should know with Yo. The Michael Yo Show starts now. 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 In the studio oh. right now, we have Pete Lee. Uh, you can follow him on Instagram. Pete Lee, Pete Lee, Pete Lee. Is that... Oh. Thank you. Now, yeah. why three Pete Lees? Because I couldn't get Pete Lee, and then two seemed, I don't know, weak. And, uh, <laughs> it's it's like the comedy rule of threes, you know? I, I was like, three is funny. Pete Lee, it's the longest Instagram handle ever. Like, if I like a photo, normally it says, like, it's liked by this person, this person, and this yeah. person. If I like a photo, it's liked by Pete Lee, Pete Lee, Pete Lee. <laughs> <laughs> so people know who you are right away. They're like, and if they don't, they're like, "Who's this guy taking up all my feed?" Yeah, yeah. This guy's, and I'm actually very humble and wholesome and stuff. You but are. I look very obnoxious on Instagram with <laughs> Peatley, Peatley, Peatley. Like, wow, this guy's a narcissist. No, when I first, <laughs> I think I first met you through Michael Cox mm-hmm. on his boat. Yeah, we, you and I met on a yacht. <laughs> I know how crazy is that? We met our first time meeting was on a freaking yacht. We were on a yacht. That's like. That's the ritziest way to meet. Uh, and that's when you first moved to L.A., so you were, like, living your best life right out of the gate. Yeah, that was my fr- – I met you on my first day in L.A. I, I moved here, and then we, like, immediately went on the yacht. And not only did I meet you <laughs> now, on Now, by yacht- the way, for people th- – it was not my yacht. It was a different Michael's yacht. Yeah, it was so a they're- different Michael's yacht, but I met you on the staircase of the yacht. <laughs> so, like, like boats that have a staircase, that's pretty ritzy. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, are you going up? Oh, yeah. Yes, I'm going up too. It was, uh, <laughs> that's where we met. And I, you know, to be honest with you, I never knew you before that day because you moved in from New York. Yeah. And then I started looking you up, you know, for this interview. You had a long career in New York. You've done very well in New York. Yeah. Passed at every club in New York. Yeah. And I just wasn't in, in LA at all. And I met a girl here. I moved here for love, not even for a career. Really? Most, most comics are like, man, I haven't quite made it in New York. I want to move to LA. They're like, make it big in show business. And I was just like, I met a girl named Jamie and she's nice. And, Aww. um, yeah, so I moved out here, and uh, I moved here for love, but now everything's going great career-wise, so maybe it's... Would you have moved if she lived in, like, Wyoming? Oh, hell no. I would have, <laughs> I would have, that would have been, like, a two-and-a-half-week relationship where we hooked up, and then there was some communication, and then it's like, oh, yeah, it's sorry. not going to work, sorry. <laughs> so you move here, and um, you, do you automatically, since you have... You know, you're funny, been on Jimmy Fallon like four times this year? Uh, or yeah. Four, over, the, it, over a year? Yeah, it, it, in just over a year, I was on The Tonight Show four times, and I'm about to do my fifth, which is so cool. Um, you're, you're considered a regular by Jimmy Fallon yeah. on the show. Now, where did Jimmy Fallon first see you to put you on stage? Oh, my God, thank you. This is like one of my favorite stories. Yeah. Um, so uh, the story starts in my living room. Um, he didn't like, he's not a peeping Tom. Like, hey, Pete, I'm in your bushes. Um, yeah, like, or what are you doing yeah, in your house? Yeah. That people, like celebrities want to look in on. <laughs> it's a great show I'm putting on. It's, uh, it's like a Cirque du Soleil of my living room. There um, you go. I'm a contortionist. But, um, but yeah, so uh, my career was kind of down in the dumps. And by that, I mean, I had a show on True TV. Um, like, True TV is <laughs> like, it should be called if a tree falls in the woods it's just like i had is that is that a show where you did in like no reaction at all no reaction like but but they do have a show what's those three guys the impractical jokers it's absolutely huge yeah we were the lead into the impractical jokers so i think people tuned into our show two minutes towards the end of it (laughs) to go see okay what was your show because i didn't know it was called greatest ever and we would just make fun of internet clips it was like it was the easiest show we literally shot 120 episodes of it and every single time 
let the show would air, I would get three followers on Instagram. That's be, it. Yeah, and like it even had my name and then my Instagram handle underneath me. So it was like... Now, was it a bunch of different comedians though or were you like the main host? Um, It was a bunch of different comedians, but if I'm being if I'm being honest, like out of the like 19 minutes of airtime, I probably was at least five of it. Okay. Um, I, I was on it a lot. I wrote for it a lot. I was a producer on it, so like I kind of selected my own clips. Um, so, <laughs> cheating the system. Yeah, che- cheating the true TV system. But it, it was a, a legitimately funny show, and I was making enough to live in New York and not have to tour as much. Um, but I was just kind of like, man, what's, what is my career? What is this? What, you know, we have those moments where we're just like, I feel stuck. So I'm, a friend of mine was like, you should read the book, The Secret. Do you know that? Oh yeah. I read that book. Yeah. Yeah, Thoughts are things. You throw words out in the universe. They come back, uh, like rain, uh, and, uh, they rain money into your life. So I was too lazy to read the secret, so I watched it on YouTube. <laughs> and um, yeah. uh, on my uh, on my Samsung Smart TV, I I pulled it up on the YouTube. And uh, in the middle of it, there's this really hokey part where the guy goes, "Now's the time where you pause this program and wish for something unreasonable." And so I paused it, and I was like, "All right, I heard about Jimmy Fallon coming to see Nate Bargatze at the stand, and I want that same thing. And then I want him to see me and really like me." Invite me on the Tonight Show, and then I want to get a standing ovation. Like for some reason, because Joe Coy got a standing ovation yes. on Jay Leno's Tonight Show, and that always stuck in my head. Like I want to, I want a Joe Coy standing ovation. Right? Heck yeah! So, uh, so then I was like, all right, universe, is that unreasonable enough? Cool. Like I was taunting the universe, <laughs> and then you hit play. I hit play, <laughs> and then I watched the rest of it. You know, all these people telling me my dreams had come true. The next day, I get an email that says that I have a Tonight Show showcase on Sunday night at the stand. And I was like, that's stop weird. it. Yeah, I'm like, that's weird. You never see showcases on Sundays, right? Like Sundays, Sundays are just not a day that the industry goes out. So, uh, so I'm standing at the bar at the stand and I'm drinking a whiskey cause I'm nervous. Like I was like, cause I had my set together was perfect. You know how sometimes when things are too perfect, that's it's something you're, you're like, something's going to happen. Like Some, I'm yeah. going to get bumped. Somebody's going to come in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I totally under, it's almost too per- And you know it so well. Yeah. You're like, I'm a mess up cause I know this so well. Yeah. This is too hard. And, um, so I'm standing at the bar and I have my whiskey and the manager of the stand, Adele walks by and she's kind of looking at me like, you don't know who is behind me. And then my manager at the time, Dave, he looks at me like, dude, do I have a surprise for you? And the next guy was like, hey, Pete, it's Jimmy. Uh, Dave told me to come see you. And uh, I hear that you're really great. And uh, it's going to be really nice to see you. I'll see you downstairs. Blah, blah, blah. And the first thing I ever said to, to Jimmy Fallon, I go, oh, my God, the secret is real. <laughs> <laughs> That's <laughs> hilarious. He's, he's since given me crap for that because it was such a weird intro to him. But he's like, I don't know what that means, but cool. I'll see you downstairs, B. <laughs> like, did you like kind of just like, oh my God, I just said that to Jimmy Fallon? Yeah. With, with all this, you're nervous. You're, and then you go, the secret is real. And he's like, all right, all yeah. right, nice to meet you. Yeah. And then he walks by, and my heart is just like, boom, 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 boom. And I was like, another whiskey. And uh, I downed another whiskey, and then uh, I also had to follow Roy Wood Jr. On oh, the I love him. Yeah, he's, he's a beast. A, he's a beast, and not only that, he wasn't auditioning. He was running his set for the next day. He was on on Monday, so he already had a set that was just monstrous and approved. And so I was like, oh, man, I'm dead in the water. But the first couple comics went up, and the crowd sucked. And then Roy went up, and he cracked the room, and I was like, oh, thank That's God good. he's That's this good. funny. And then I went up and just rode the wave. And I'm killing him. I'm like, oh my God, this is great. This is the secret is real, right? And in the middle of my set, I have a joke where I say, uh, or in my first night show set, I said, um, 
I go, I hate conflict. Um, like I never want to offend anybody. Like the other day, uh, this guy sneezed and I wanted to say, bless you. But instead I go, happy holidays. <laughs> yeah. And Jimmy Fallon stands up and he claps his hands. He goes, yes. He goes, I love this guy. And I in was the like, middle of the in set, the middle of the set. And I was like, thank, thank you, sir. Or how, about, how, how long into the set were you? How many minutes were you in? I was probably two minutes into the set. And wow. And I, and like in New York, um, like the way that people are with celebrities is like if Jimmy Fallon's there, they're like, leave him alone, be cool. Nobody, nobody even acknowledge him, right? As soon as he said that, everybody was like, no, we love you, Jimmy. Oh, okay, <laughs> like, yeah. They just the crowd roared, and it was like a whole big moment. And in my head, I'm like, I was. Well, like, let just, me ask you this because I'm interested. In two minutes, how many jokes? Because like yeah. me, I'm a I'm a long storyteller. Uh-huh. But in two minutes, I've seen you said how many jokes did you get through in that two minutes? There there were probably like six or seven. Wow. That um, but I I always like I like longer bits and stuff. But like I always say that in the first two minutes, I have to have like an opening flurry. Yeah. Because I'm so. I'm so sweet and wholesome and also like I will look on my face at the beginning of every set like like I'm one of you from the audience but I'm just up Peter now. Yeah. And and I'm scared too. Yeah, I'm scared too <laughs> and I'm pretty honest about being a little nervous and if I don't have like a very dense opening to the show the audience is like, "Oh, he sucks." Like he's Oh, new. really? You yeah. see that, huh? If I start out loose, they just treat me like, "Oh, he's not very good," you know. Wow, that's so, interesting. So I have to have like like boom 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 and then I can loosen it up. Up later on so Jimmy Fallon jumps up and goes yes I love this guy now I think I've done the stand once it's a pretty small room right it's, it's did a, you could you see him yeah I could okay. see him so uh so the showroom uh, or at least the old showroom was like narrow and wide and he was off to the right he was in this booth over here and he stands up he's wearing khakis and a black polo shirt and so I could just like see his legs basically and uh, and I was like, he's like, yes, I love this guy. And I was like, thanks, sir, or Jimmy. But you knew it was Jimmy, right? I knew it was okay. Jimmy. It was, yeah, and the crowd roared like it was Jimmy. And I was like, thanks, sir, or Jimmy. I don't know what I can call you. And then I wanted to say I love your Tonight Show, but then the comedian brain kicked in. And I go, I love your impulse control. And uh, <laughs> and he uh, he laughed so hard, and the crowd laughed. And then I just like rolled back into my set, and then I finished. And he came up to me. He's like, "Dude, that was great." He's like, "I want you on the show." And um, it was just it was unreal. It was, and then I went on the show, and then I got the standing ovation, and uh, that was also crazy. Like being on the show, um, I, you know, you're backstage behind the curtain. And it's totally dark except for this little monitor. And there's a guy whose job it is to pull the curtain back four times a night. Like there yeah. are guys working like like sixty hours a week slaving, <laughs> digging ditches. And there's a guy with a really sweet ponytail in America that his job is to go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And um that guy's super cool, by the way. That's probably how he got that job. But um anyway, I'm sitting there and Jimmy starts introing me, you know, with a little card and, and all that stuff. And I'm like, all right, you know, like I'm pretty nervous. I'm ready to go out there. And then he's like, no, no. He's like, this doesn't feel right. And I'm like, what? No, this feels very right. Jimmy, introduce me. And he's like, you know what? He goes, I feel like you guys are a little warmed down after that last game show segment. He's like, I'm going to go out and do a little bit of stand up. He's like, do you guys want me to do stand up? And I was like, what, what is he doing? Yeah, I was like, what are you doing, Jimmy? Like, and, and I turned to the guy, the curtain guy, and I go, what is this? He goes, I've never seen him do this ever. 
And I was like, this is what? Because as a comic, you're like, no, just bring me out. Because you don't want to follow Jimmy on his own show. Yeah, on his own show. <laughs> and, uh, and I also like, I'm cool sitting in the dugout. I'm cool being at bat. I don't want to be on that on deck circle. I hate that on deck circle. Yeah. I just, I, cause you're in your head right there. So, um, so I'm sitting, I'm standing back there. He goes up and does like 10 minutes of stand up, you know, and just like, you know, it's bet- between the scenes and he's killing. And I'm like, all right, this is good. This is bad. I don't know. <laughs> and I just keep walking to the trash can uh-huh. and spitting. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, all right, get in the game, Pete. I'm in my suit spitting. And, um, uh, so he finally, uh, he like gives a speech to the crowd. He goes, look, he goes, I don't really do this for very many people. He goes, I don't think I've ever done this before, but he goes, this next guy's special. I saw him myself. I discovered this guy. I was at the stand. He told that whole story and he's like, so when I bring him out, will you treat him like he's my best friend? And they're like, yes, Jimmy, we love you. Oh my God. Oh my God he's your so friend. He's sweet. my friend. And I'm backstage going like, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I was like, oh no, don't cry on the Tonight Show. You know, don't cry under your gray suit. And so I go out there and the crowd is just bonkers from the get go. You know, they're like, this guy's Jimmy's friend. <laughs> we and love him. We love him. And, um, and so I hit my first joke and it, it goes nuts. And, I, you know, from that point on, I'm like, oh, well, all the jokes that I have are better than that one. So this is going to go great. Uh, I do the whole set. I say, thank you. Good night. I get the standing ovation. You know, Jimmy comes up, he pitches it, you know, to commercial, whatever. And then he's supposed to run up the stairs right at the very end because that's the end of the show. And uh, he stands there and the crowd's just still on their feet and they're cheering. And I'm like, just every defense mechanism that I had in my body was gone. Yeah. Like if I was a video game character, there'd be that battery symbol. that's just like a red outline of a battery (laughs) blinking, you know, like I'm like, what's, what's happening? And, um, and Jimmy's like, dude, do you even realize what's happening right now? He goes, you're getting the first standing ovation of my tonight show. He's like, this is, this is an incredible moment. And I was like, yeah, cool, man. Uh, I can't deal. I was like, I can't deal, Jimmy. He's like, no, he goes, I know what's happening. He's like, you're in shock right now. He goes, you're going to feel this. And he like takes my shoulders, like, like a guy on a date with a girl, like showing her the stars and uh, and he's like, you're. He's like, look at that. You're getting a standing ovation right now. And I was like, I'm gonna cry, Jimmy. <laughs> I'm gonna That's cry. Awesome. And then I like literally started to tear up. And then when I did that, the crowd cheered even, even more, more because they're like, you know, they we want, love this guy. Yeah, they're like, this is great. And then uh, you know, like I walked off the set, kind of wiping my tears. And by the time I got to my so Giselle Bunch and Tom Brady's wife was on the show and she meets me in the hallway and hugs me and was like, was like, that was great. What a cool moment, you know? And I was like, we killed, you know, like her, like Giselle and I are colleagues. <laughs> you're, right. you're friends now. <laughs> yeah, we're friends now. And um, I was like, say hi to Tom. You know? <laughs> Love Patriots. Go. No. Yeah, go Patriots. And then, yeah, I got back to my green room and Jimmy's there just hanging out with my friends being like, that was great, man. Oh my my god and uh i didn't think that would happen either but um yeah the whole experience was a whirlwind and now I, did you think your set was that good for a standing ovation i felt like when you look back on it yeah like you know we've had those sets where you go oh that was special like that yeah. was um that was one of my best sets ever and like so when they stood up i got it you know but as as comedians we always know the worst it could go. Oh, yeah. And that's kind of what, that's why I'm spitting in the trash can beforehand. I'm going, 
Well, I know how this went on Tuesday night early show, like when the crowd was like, don't get that. I don't get that joke yeah. either. And so, yeah, I, I, I just was like, okay, so this was the top of how it could have gone. And so I, I like, I'm never cocky enough to be like, yeah, I should have gotten a standing ovation, but I get it. Okay. Okay. So the other three times you've been on, did you get standing ovations for those? Um, I got sitting ovations. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got really solid sitting, sitting ovations. ovations. They were clapping hard. They just they, weren't sitting. Yeah. They, but I mean, also he gave you such a great intro too. Mm-hmm. And when you kill it after that intro, I mean, it's amazing. It's like a great setup. And all you yeah. got to do, all you got to do, it's almost like somebody saying, okay, the pitch is going to be a fastball. It's going to be around 90 miles per hour. It's going to be right over the plate. Uh-huh. Just knock it out of the park. Mm-hmm. And so what would have been bad if that big setup and then you swung and missed? Yeah, I just oh. came out there and, and balked. <laughs> just, just, yeah, that, um, which could, you know, it could happen. I like, I, I feel like as comedians, we have good days, we have bad days. Oh, yeah. Um, there are days where my my words don't work, and I know I have to do an hour, and I'm fumbling up my words, and I just say to the crowd, I'm like, I know this is what I do for a living, but it's not working. I don't know if it's like <laughs> vitamin D or what. but Do you, like, what fascinates me about you is... You know, I, I don't want to call you uh, a throwback, but oh. <laughs> you get. But what you can do is you can watch the news, and that night you can have a whole bit ready and funny. Where, oh. like me, I don't have that talent. Like that's not my writing skill. That's not what I do. But what's so amazing is I love guys that can do that. Oh, like you. thank you. You can watch the news, watch clips, and literally that night go on and have a killer bit about it. Yeah, I. How'd I, you develop that? Um, I think I developed it writing for those crappy clip shows because I would have to for greatest ever on true TV I'd have to write like two to three hundred jokes a week where I would just have to go into like I don't take Adderall but I I call it Adderall mode where I just sit down and I really focus or I just like chill and let my mind wander on a topic and it's crazy how like your mind will come up with something now do you write do you are you physically writing or just thinking? Because like I'm not a big writer. Sit down. I write yeah. bullet points. Mm-hmm. But are you a person that goes like every word you write out? Is that you? Yeah, I mean, I like to write out phrases or or like I'll write out like a key phrase to the setup, and then I'll write like a key phrase to the punchline. Or like um, a lot of times, the words that I have to hit, I'll put in capitals, and I'll just kind of remember those. Um, but like for this week at the Comedy Cellar that I do on Comedy Central. I we literally have to watch the news and then like I write like 10 to 20 minutes of material each week and um that that I definitely kind of write it out more cuz I find that when you have to go straight to like your notepad to taping it in uh-huh. front of a crowd you want it to be as crisp as possible like you've done it a million times but does that put you in a mindset of kind of memorization and if I slip up on a word it might yeah. Put up my whole timing, or you pass that now. Well, what I like to do is, um, uh, like, I, this is a bad person to say that taught me this, but Louis C.K. back in the day, I used to open for him. Um, you know, I guess before he was doing nefarious activities, yeah. uh-huh. but um, or at least he never did that to me. Yeah. But um, <laughs> he told me that in his process, he likes to write it out and get the gist of it, but then write like when he goes on stage, he lets himself have the permission. That like whatever goes goes like this is this is what you know and if you have to let your brain catch you let it but um, don't be word perfect on stage just like let your let 
let yourself feel what the audience is feeling. So I always do that where I'll take a rough bit. And if, if I know I'm saying it wrong, I'm like, well, just say it this way then, you know, yeah. like, like maybe this is the way that it's supposed to come out of your face. But tonight I'm doing the new joke night at the comedy store in the belly room. So I woke up at 10 a.m. and I've been like writing. Like uh, which one you're going to perform tonight? Um, the or which jokes? Yeah. Do um, you, well, I've been writing. Do you want oh, to yeah, yeah, yeah. Some yeah the, throw them out. I want to know what because we're, we're this is going up today. Yeah. Um, oh, this is oh, somehow in my pocket. I got to the give feedback screen on Facebook. So you're giving people money too right now. Yeah, I don't know what's. Uh, <laughs> you're poor right now. Yeah, that wow. You've lost all your money. That's crazy. Um, that's a mechanism of this podcast. As soon as you walk in, we trigger that. And yeah, then you, you trigger the Facebook. <laughs> and then, you actually pay us to be on the show. Yeah. You just don't know yet. Yeah, because that we're on Facebook Live. Yeah, this all connects. Um, <laughs> Um, let me, these are, I don't know if these are good. Oh, no, um, throw them out. I, just a couple. Um, I just want to see. Uh, <laughs> all right. I'm fast. I don't know. This is like a really rough idea, but, um, something like, like around Hollywood, I always see like these really hot guys. And mm-hmm. I thought like, I look like a really hot guy's dentist. <laughs> like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah like I, I have dentist face, you know, you do. like you... I'm sensible, you know, I might be exciting. I would on trust the weekends. you. Yeah. I'm very trustworthy. Um, and then I wrote a tag. Nobody looks at me like, I bet he owns a motorcycle. They look at me like, I bet he owns a lead apron. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I wrote that on the drive over here. So that was very unsafe. Yeah, Uh, but that's great. It was very dangerous. So, so is your comedy kind of like, you like to make, cause I've seen you, you kind of make fun of yourself. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Like when I remember Mike Birbiglia told me that sitting down at the cellar table was going to be crazy because they're just going to be digging at you. And like when I'm sitting with like, like Robert Kelly, Rich Voss, um, you know, like those guys, Keith Robinson, and they're digging at me, I'm, I'm also doubling down on what they're saying. And then I'm also going like, can I write that down? Yeah, absolutely. My feelings don't get hurt. I'm like, you're helping me with my homework. Like I want anything that you notice that's real and kind of bad about me. Like I want to know it like, cause that's concrete. Is there a certain limit? I mean, you're so likable on stage. Mm -hmm. Is there a certain limit of those type of jokes you can do in a set before people go, okay, we get it. Yeah. um, Or do you feel like you spread or is it, because when I've seen you, it's kind of like at the beginning, boom, 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 boom. Yeah. You kind of go into something and then boom, 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 you know, about yourself. Yeah, I like to um, I like to go like boom, 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 self-deprecating. And then yeah. like if I'm doing an hour, I like that those kinds of jokes to be like the first 12 minutes or so. Yeah. And then, you know, that point of view is within every single bit down the road. But I like to stretch it out a little bit more and tell more example stories or like true stories of, of like how I feel about that kind of stuff. Um, that's, that's like my favorite thing to do, you know, so it it like establishes the character and then you loosen it up a little bit, you know, as you go along, but even in a 15 minute set, it'll be like six minutes of those kinds of jokes. And then I like to go into like longer, more example, anecdotal type things. Do you like, are you a type of person that will write for another comic? And you don't have to say the comic because I don't want to put anybody on blast in this show. But have you written for other comics that um, they're kind of like, hey, will you write me some stuff? But you got to like shh, keep it quiet. Um, well, I'll give I'll give two um, I'll give two examples of like, I, and I think that it's more like I Sklar Brothers it, you know, where yeah. I give people tags or um, like one of my best one of my best friends here is Becky Robinson. Do you know Becky? I don't know Becky. She's um, 
She's a great comic. She's all over Comedy Central. Um, she had an E show for like for a, a second, um, but she does characters mostly. And then okay. right now, she, like her, her characters are amazing. And um, you know, she's got all the best reps in the business. She's probably going to be on SNL next season, but she's trying to work on like her stand up, stand up. And so I saw her set out at the at the Improv on uh, it was Saturday Night Late Show main room. She goes up and crushes. But my brain was just doing the math. I was going like, well, this bit plus this bit plus this bit. Um, that's her late night set. And as her friend, I just wanted to like help her. So my girlfriend walks up and was like, great set. And I was like, we need to work. <laughs> <laughs> we need to work. Yeah, we need to get down to business. And then um, like she was like, yeah, I just don't know what my point of view is. And I was like, well, you could wait 11 years to figure it out. Or this is what it is. Yeah, right. And I just told her, you know, what it is. And she she has this whole bit about... Uh, she just went to the doctor and she found out she has high testosterone and that kind of like explains everything because she's this cutesy girl that's always trying to be girly but like somewhere in her she's just like yeah yeah (laughs) and um and it's it's just one of those things where she's like that's the perfect sketch character and she's somebody who knows how to write for characters right you know like that's her expertise so i was like she the reason why she didn't necessarily know how to write for herself or thought that she didn't know how even though she was doing it pretty well is because she didn't she wasn't thinking of herself as a character so i was like here's your character here's how your character tries and fails each time and she just a light bulb went on and she was like oh my god i know how to write to this and i was like well yeah you've already been doing it but here's how you can write further but i wrote her a joke and sent it to her where um because she's like her whole struggle is trying to be feminine and um uh, I, I she, the joke is, um, I went to the doc or I was walking out of the doctor and I saw this girl with a t-shirt that said the future is female. And I was like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe for you, I'm turning into my father. Yeah. You know? That's funny. So, uh, she tried that one out last night and, uh, and it killed and I got a text message and I was like, oh, that makes me feel good. Yeah. Though. Right. I wrote a joke so, that did well. So you don't like a lot of comics. Like oh, I want to keep everything to myself. You almost, I feel like at the same time as you're really funny, but you also don't mind being a coach either to people you like. Obviously. I would, I would, I'd love it. I love helping out anybody. You know, I, I'm somebody that feels like there's room for everybody. Yeah. And, and if there's, if there's not room for you or if there's never been room for you, uh, you know, not you, but like, um, there's, there's, a lot well, of I mean, no, no, but we're always, yeah. I mean, me, I'm not satisfied. We're always pushing forward. We want the next thing. Yeah. And once that stops, you need to get out. You yeah. Know? You, you, I just want everybody to be the best. Like the, a great show isn't where everybody bombs and then I do well. It's yeah. where like everybody's crushing and then I have to go try to follow it, you know, like, so I don't know. I'm also a helper, you know, like, like that's my yeah. favorite thing. Um, I got a text the other night that at the West Side Comedy Theater in Santa Monica that they needed a comic for their 930 slot. And I just gotten off the stage at the comedy store and my brain was like, there's a comedy emergency. I'm there. Like, yeah. like a comedy bat signal. had uh-huh. out. So like I just I love to help. I'm a helper. What's what's uh, like was there any tough times like when you first started in comedy? Yeah. Or did it because some people they kind of started and kind of just goes and it's going good, you know, or yeah. like has there ever been that low point where you're like, ah, I might not be funny. Yeah. I mean, I I think 
It was funny. The first time that I went up, uh, so I've been doing stand up almost 22 years. I'm 42. Yeah. Um, I'm like the one person in Hollywood that says my age because I'm like, I don't know. Whatever. Like, whatever. Hey, you lived. I lived. You know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Most people are like, oh, I don't want to say my age. It's like, no, today when people are dropping dead at all kinds of ages, it's, it's like a, a uh, a badge of approval is like, dude, I made it to like, I'm 44, oh, 44. Wow. I made it that long. You that's, made it. That's a huge accomplishment, man. See, that's my goal. Two more years, two more years. And then you're done. <laughs> then you're out. Then you're out. <laughs> two more years, <laughs> two, two more, more years. years. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there were, I mean, there were, there were hard times, but I grew up poor. My mom was a red lobster waitress, you know? Okay. And uh, my dad was a successful interior decorator that you know, kind of, he kind of did that like 1970s, 1980s dad thing where he went off and did his own thing and our family did this. And nowadays that would be atrocious, you know, but back then it was like, yeah, my dad's in California being an interior designer and my mom's a waitress and we were living at the poverty level. And so it's weird because now I, was he making good money and just not sending it back or um, he was making good money and then he was sending back uh, the court. Uh, amount amount the okay got you approved amount got so you. like he was not a scoundrel in any way but uh we probably he wasn't overachieving either yeah we probably needed a little bit more um but he's my dad's one of my best friends i love him like uh, you know I, there's i'm not one of those comics that you know like is a dad blamer yeah or, i got like, you i but but anyway like we grew up really poor on a red lobster waitress's salary and my brother, well, I shouldn't say um, which brother, one of my brothers and I, we sold weed for a little while just so that we <laughs> get grocery money. Like yeah. it was like the best drug dealing. And um, you don't look like a drug dealer. You could have got away. You could still be doing that today. Yeah. Get Nobody would expect you. That's why it's funny. You know, the funny part was that um, one of the guys that bought was our dentist. And I remember going in. It's funny that I have a joke about looking like yeah. a dentist because um uh, I went in and like I'd have to pretend like I didn't know my dentist and I got a retainer and like one of those like like inside like mounted to your teeth retainers. Uh -huh. My mom was like, he gave us a huge discount. I have no idea why. And in my head, I was like, marijuana. <laughs> That's why. But so I guess when when, you, when we talk about struggling in comedy, like there were years where I was like eating ramen noodles and or like you know you'd you'd buy like 50 cent ramen noodles and eat them until you could have that one meal at the club yeah um i had a lot of those years but i didn't think i was struggling because i struggled as a kid so i was like man i'm doing great well how long how long did it take you before things started to pick up for you like where because you said uh, you've been in it 22 years 22 how years. many years into it where you're like okay i can make a living on this yeah um well i went on the road in 2003 so that was five years in and i thought i was making a living because you know you'd make like four hundred dollars uh a week times three i'd usually work three um three weeks a month so that was twelve hundred dollars living in minnesota where my rent was like four hundred dollars oh so you're killing it so i was like I bought a, a Pontiac Grand Am. Boom. Yeah, boom. So I was like, I'm living my best life. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think that when I, the only, one of the only times where I really felt like I was struggling was the first year that I moved to New York City. It was 2006. 
And I, I moved there with like $11,000, which I was like, oh my God, dude. This is so much dude, money. I'm going to be able to stay in New York forever. <laughs> I won't even need to go on the road. And then my like deposit security uh, and like all that stuff that you have to just pay on an apartment was like six grand. So now I was down to five. Oh. And then I had an expensive girlfriend at the time that I didn't realize that every dinner, if you had one drink, was going to be $80. <laughs> so I just, I just like just went through that. And I was on the road. I was in uh, Indianapolis, and then I was driving up to Wisconsin to my parents' house. And uh, it was rainy, and I had, a, I had my Kanye West moment because I was like, I was literally thinking, like, man, I'm gonna have to leave New York. I'm out of money. I have nothing. There's no way I'm gonna be able to pay this rent. This sucks. And I'm driving in my Grand Am that I kept out in the Midwest at my mom's house, and um, and I get a like my tire blows on something. It hydroplanes my car in the rain. My car spins, spins, spins. I go into that center divider. You know how in Chicago there's yeah. the subway trains going in the uh-huh. middle of the highway? I crash into that. It, like every window in my car shatters because of the impact. It was just like impact, impact, impact. And um, and I like I got all my stuff out of the car. Uh, uh, this it's is raining. A, it's raining. Um, the, a tow truck driver came, and I, I had my my bag with my laptop, and then my merch money from that week, which was like seven hundred dollars yeah. from T-shirts or whatever. I'm just sitting there in the rain on top of this like subway thing that I'd climbed up. This tow truck guy comes, and he tows me into Caprini Green, which is like notoriously like one of the most dangerous gang neighborhoods in America, and so. I'm sitting there in my car, it's raining, and he's like, there's going to be another tow truck guy that's going to come and help you fix your tire. And I'm like, that's not going to help. Like, my car is totaled, man. So he helps me change my flat tire, and uh, and I have one of those, like, little spares. And, I, and my car is, like, drivable, but it's like, every So I drive, like, 55 miles an hour to Wisconsin from Chicago, and uh, I get out of the car and there was like I had taken my merch T-shirts and put them on me because it was so cold in the car and I didn't have like a warm jacket. So I get to my mom's garage and there's like a trail of blood and, and merch. <laughs> and I just went into the house in shock and fell down and just like fell asleep. Like I was just and um, and that was probably like my lowest point in comedy. But then the next day I got the insurance report back and I was going to get like eight grand for the stupid grand am that I was dumb enough to have paid off. So now I get all that eight grand. And that was my like Kanye West moment because it like kept me in sh- the car crash, kept me in show business from Chicago. You're like, welcome to the good life. Yeah. Eight grand. <laughs> welcome to the good, good life. life. <laughs> yeah. So that was probably my lowest moment in, um, in showbiz, but it turned out to be my highest moment because it gave me enough money to, you know, to have eight grand in New York. And also, I didn't need a car in New York. So that was kind of perfect. Yeah. It was the worst circumstance. But yeah, so um, things have been tough, you know, lean. But, you know, I guess comedy wise, things were a little bit tough in New York, uh, like artistically, because when I first moved to New York, I got past at all the clubs. Like uh, the, I lived right across. Was it the- hard? It was, well, I had a really great manager at the okay. time and he just like waved his wrist and got me passed everywhere. And I was like, wow, man, you're awesome. Show business is easy. And then I went out on the road because I had to like make up for some of that money. And in the time that I was out on the road, all the bookers changed at the clubs. It was like systematically like I just got, you know, text after text like, dude, did you hear that, you know, JR isn't isn't booking the comic strip anymore. And I was like, Oh man, JR was my friend. Shit. You know? 
So um, I come back to New York and I basically have to like re-audition for everybody at all these clubs and they're not into me. I'm like, put my headshots up on the wall. <laughs> and they're like, we don't care. And uh, I remember I would go every single night because I lived across from the comic strip. Um, I went every single night and did late night where you would do three minutes after the real show had happened. And it was like scorched earth. And I just wanted to say that I got up that night. So I'd go over there and wait for two hours and I could sign up and I'd sit and I'd talk to people. And it was the kind of hanging out where like, like, you know, like real comics would come in and I'd be like, Hey, hey, Jim Gavigan, how's it going? And he'd be like, Hey, man, how are you? You know, like, friend, you, yeah. friendly but scared. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> apprehensive of talking to me because of my energy. And uh, but I did that like I, and then I just had the hardest time getting past at the New York clubs again, to the point where I did a Comedy Central half hour and I was running three minute snippets of it on late night. And the booker of the comic strip at the time, I was like, but dude, I'm, I'm getting a Comedy Central special. And he's like, yeah, there's a whole line of guys that have Comedy Central specials. Get behind them. There's a already. So aired. do you think that the only reason, because obviously you're funny, it was that a lot of people don't like people, the people before them like just to be different I unless think, it's a huge name. I think so. I think yeah. I don't know because it wasn't a lack of tenacity because I showed up and I tried to get in and. Um, I just wasn't their type of guy. I think it's also a thing that I explained earlier where in the first few minutes I have to be so funny to disprove people's um, kind of prejudice of what they think I am because I'm a little extra, I'm yeah. a little needy, I'm way too kind. Um, and for most people, they just go like, that equals he must suck. Yeah. And so I think these bookers didn't know anything about my stage presence. They just saw my demeanor and they were like, he can't be good. Be funny. <laughs> that guy can't be good. And I don't even blame him. And now I'm making a lot of money off of that same persona. Um, you know, which is good, and that actually draws crowds in. But at did the you time, ever think at that point when it wasn't going well, when they weren't maybe I should switch it up a little bit, or you just were like, I know this works. They're just being dumb right now. Um, I try. I've tried every day in my life to be a little cooler, and it just yeah. doesn't work. You yeah. know, like I'll I'll be like, just say less, Pete. Just <laughs> just say less. People will be like, how are you? I'll be like, good. And it feels. Oh, weird. I'm really good. I'm having a great day. I saw flowers in Central Park today. It was awesome. Like I just, I'm not good at that, and I, I'm I'm not good at being cool. Uh, yeah, which is, um, I don't know what that is. So besides comedy, like, what are you into right now? What are you binging? What are you watching? Um, I'm really into surfing right now. I just, oh. yeah, I moved to Cali, and uh, I just got really into surfing. I suck at it. Um, like I'm, you got the wetsuit and everything. I got you the go wet, I got Look the wetsuit. I got the board. Um, I bought my girlfriend a board. Does she like it or is it kind of like I'm going because you're going? It's kind of, I'm going cause you're going, but she also got the crap kicked out of her in Cabo by this. Like there's, you know how in a relationship, like the woman's always right. Oh, hundred you know, like, percent. Like, not yeah, Like, like a hundred percent of the time they're right. And then like really like 95% they're right. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> We were standing on the shore in Cabo with our surfboards and I'm like, I'm pretty slow at everything. And so I was like, babe, just wait to go in. And she's like, I don't want to wait. She's like, you always want to wait. I was like, trust me, there's a big set of waves coming in. And if we wait two minutes, we're going to go out in smooth glass swimming pool water. But right now we're going to get the crap kicked out of us. And she's like, I'm going in. And then it beat this, it beat the crap out of her. I mean, they say that every cubic meter of water weighs a ton. And this was a lot of rolling tons just coming right at her. 
And it ended with us hyperventilating or like both of us were scared crap. Oh, you followed her though. I followed her because I was like, I got to go with like almost like a lifeguard. Yeah. But it was like I was drowning and trying to help her not drown. And then um, we wound up on the beach sitting on the surfboards hyperventilating. And I'm like also just as scared as her, but with my arm around her, like, oh, it's okay, babe. That's crazy. You got scared, right? (laughs) And I know, you know, you're in a relationship. You can't be the I told you so person. No. Because that would escalate it through the roof. Yeah, that would would not be a good move. And my girlfriend's a psychiatric nurse practitioner. So, like, any... Any type of stuff like that, she can just see through it and she can instantly see my motivation and where it came through or came from in my childhood. And I don't want to hear she'll about start it. start breaking you <laughs> down like, this is why. Has she ever done that before? You're acting like this because boom, 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 boom. And you're like, eh. it's, it's a little worse than that because she'll be like, why do you think you did that? Uh-oh. And I'm like... Because uh, my dad left and Red Lobster waitress mom and I feel insecure sometimes. And yeah, she... You just leave in a pool of your own tears. Yeah. She just walks away. All right, have a great day. I'll be back later. And it's like a chess game where I can see where it will lead to all of that. And so I'm just like, put your arm around her and just be there. Like, be masculine <laughs> that's a, and quiet. That's, a, that's, that's our job. That's our job. Masculine and quiet. Quiet. And that, they're always right. That's why women love Ryan Gosling. Have you ever seen a Ryan Gosling movie? He's like with his shirt off and the woman is like, he's like, I'm having this kind of a day and everything's wrong and nothing matter you because of it. And he's like, okay, babe. Hey, girl. Hey, girl. It's two words. And then <laughs> women are like, he's quiet and handsome. Yeah. There, he's a yeah. real life Kindle. Mm-hmm. It doesn't talk. Yeah, he doesn't talk. He, uh, yeah, he probably has no testicles. No, you know, none, no, none, none. Just smooth down yeah. there. Testicles make you emotional. That's yeah. why he's so calm. He has zero <laughs> testicles. That's what it is. <laughs> All right, you have. I'm wearing your shirt. You oh. have a podcast, Snuggle Storm. Tell me about that. Yeah, thank you for wearing the t-shirt. Oh yeah, right yeah, I love it. I, I like um, to represent people. Yeah, it, that makes me feel so cool. Yeah. And um, I've also been a fan of yours for a long time i used to watch thanks. you on chelsea i saw your e-show like i thought you're just so oh, awesome thanks, so the man. fact that you're wearing our podcast uh, shirt is really oh cool. dude thank you yeah. you're the best you're the best uh, so tell people can what's it about yeah so it's it's actually my girlfriend and i she's a psychiatric nurse practitioner and um we do a podcast where we bring a comedian on and then we kind of talk psych with them like what's going on if they're having any issues and then we also give advice to the listeners so snuggle storm is basically like a psychiatric advice podcast, but if a comedian was sitting right next to your therapist, you know, so like imagine the therapist gives their their take and then the comic's like, nah, nah you yeah, need to do this. Yeah, just do this. <laughs> Have you ever had a comedian on with no problems? Um, no, Cause, we've cause all I don't got problems. see you having no problem. Like, I don't see you with a lot of problems either. I mean, I have like my insecurities and I have stuff from like being bullied as a kid and like growing up poor and like, you know, those kind of... Um, imposter syndrome you know sort of things like i could be leaving the tonight show in the suit where i just killed and and i you know i'm like trying to open doors for people like no no after you i 100 percent um that's so like that's my psych stuff is being maybe a little too are do you think you're too nice or does your your um is it your fiance girlfriend uh, or wife what are y'all right now girlfriend she's my girlfriend um which it's weird because 
Like she feels like she's more than that. Like girlfriend almost sounds like an, an insult. I just haven't asked her yet. We've we've only been together for like a year. Okay. So, um, and I'm a fast mover. Like we made eye contact, and I'm like, "Do you want to move in together?" <laughs> you know, <laughs> like because she was just so perfect, and I I love her. And um, so I'm trying to be cool by not asking her yet because I probably would have asked her in month one. Yeah, I got you. She's she's awesome. Um, you've met her. Oh, right? she's yeah. amazing. She was on the yacht. Yeah, we, was, we, we she, was, she was on the yacht with yes, us. Yes, we summered together. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. <laughs> no, it's great, man. I tell you, just my opinion, married life is the best. If you find the right one, it's amazing. Me and my wife have been together five years, and literally it feels like it's no time. It's it's the best, and I wish that somebody would have told me years ago that just choosing the right person was the key to happiness because there everybody they say that there's a there's a lid for every pot you know and um like i i believe that everybody has somebody that's compatible with everybody has somebody that's a match i also don't think everybody has a match in different times of your life it just Mm -hmm. depends if you're ready yeah you know what i mean i like i probably met several people when i was way too young that Mm would have been probably a great person but me as a person was totally not ready to be that person. Yeah, you were. Were, were you ever like wild? Were you oh, ever, in Miami. Oh, I was oh, crazy. I oh. lived in Miami for six years there, seven, six to seven years. And like that was moving from Austin, Texas, where it was like drinks were a dollar. Yeah. There's like $18 <laughs> a drink. And then I'm at their biggest club. Uh-huh. Literally, I go up to the door guy. I never forget his name is not Miss Conrad. And I go, I go, hey, I'm new here. I've never been to like a club like this. And, you know, I work for this local radio station. Just is hiring me. Like, I, line was all the way wrapped around the building. I go, I don't know anyway. I just want to see the place. And he goes, all right, you can come in. And then, and then he stops me and goes, you know why I let you in? I, I go, why? He goes, because you weren't trying to show off. You were honest wow. and truthful. And he says, people throw, you know, then I got to know him really well. And he goes, people throw money at it. They think that impresses me. And you go, I'm this guy that doesn't belong here, but can you let me in? I don't even have girls with me. Yeah. It's just, you know, so it was a it was a cool moment. But you go into a club, like I'm used to getting to clubs at midnight. You know, one, like mm-hmm. this club didn't get pop until like 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm standing there going, oh my God. <laughs> like we're there to six. I'm like, Wow. And this is my first night in Miami. I was like, oh, wow. This is how they do it out here. That's Literally, great. the club was empty till 3 a.m., 2.33 a.m. Oh, my God. So you were, so were you, what time did you get there? I got there, there at like 12. You got there at like 12. So and- literally, it was different people. But since I was single and young, it was like, whoa, I'm in the hottest club. Because what I learned is they let people in very slow. Yeah. Even though the line was around the building, they wanted people to see that line around the building. Oh, yeah. So that's the image of like, oh, my God, this club is crazy. Look at the line. That's amazing. So they just let them in slow. So it was awesome, though. I just I'm picturing you being a party guy in Miami. There's definitely a fedora. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> maybe a light colored jacket. Yeah, you know? I wasn't a fedora guy, but I did have I, I did look very Miami at that yeah. time. You know, that's so cool. Maybe that's one of the reasons why you're so cool is that you have that Miami in you. Yeah. You know? like, I mean, I love Miami. I love my actually I'm going. Have you ever performed in Miami? Um, well, I did the Miami improv back in like 2006 or seven, something like that. But like, 
It was literally just a bunch of people eating dinner while I opened for a bigger comedian. Well, you and know that club, the old Miami Improv, was notorious for people just talking over you, eating over you, having full-on conversations mm-hmm. like you weren't even on stage. Yeah, it felt like a filibuster. Like, I was just like, <laughs> I got to talk for 30 minutes, and I, I had a watch that I kept checking. Check like, it like, okay, okay. All right, we're three minutes in. Cool. <laughs> <sighs> like, no, that club is notorious. I've seen comics lose it on that stage. But I'm going, they opened a new one. I'll be there actually in two weeks, September 6th and 7th. So. September 6th and 7th? Yeah. Oh, so, that's fun. Yeah. So I want to check out the new club. But there, you know, it's in a very, it's in a nicer arena now. That, you I, know? I bet that it's going to be a better club. And I also feel like the people that run the improvs know a lot more now. Oh, yeah. That was one of their first flagship clubs. And uh-huh. I think they might have opened it in the wrong place. And maybe advertised incorrectly. But, yeah. But you're also, you know, you're you're a big name in comedy, so you're going to have a lot of well, your not, people that come out. Here's what's interesting. People <laughs> say that, but literally, you know, and, and I want to name drop here, but I was talking to, because uh, I interview him, Kevin Hart, yeah. and we had a discussion about my special. My special came out like six months ago, and I go, I don't know if I want to drop it. I want to get it perfect. He goes, it's never perfect. You got to drop it because people don't know you're a comedian. Like, until you have a special, it's weird. Like, he goes, look what you have done. You're touring for the last six years, and people don't even know you do stand-up. They're just coming because they see you on TV. Yeah. He goes, now you, when you drop a special, get the clips out, so then that kind of solidifies it. So even though I've been doing it nine years now, I feel like this year was the first year. Yeah. Like, I've been doing it because people now, every outlet I go on, they say, comedian Michael Yo. Where mm-hmm. all the other years it was, oh, he hosts this, he hosts this, he hosts this, and he's a comedian. Yeah. So I feel like a new birth has happened where now everywhere I go, people go, oh, that's the comedian. You oh. know, it's kind of a switch where when you started, you were a comedian. Yeah. When I started, I was a host. Even on Chelsea. Oh, yeah. I, I was, I worked for E. And she would bring, yeah, because I remember, I, I actually remember your first appearance on there. Really? Where it was like, I think she even introduced you, like, you're from this part because, of E. And, because and they then, added me to the show because they wanted three comics in a, in a real news person mm-hmm. that's witty or whatever to, uh, defend the celebrities because they didn't want their E. They didn't want to trash them. And she was <laughs> she was dating Ted at the time, the president. So they go, we're going to put you on the show to defend the celebrities because you got to interview them. Uh-huh. So that's why she always the whole kissing ass or you're kissing the celebrities ass because I actually had to defend them. None of the comics did. But that's interesting that they basically gave you a point of view, which was one of the hardest things to have in comedy. Yeah. They gave you a point of view of the defendant. Uh, or the no the, matter how bad that person was, the district attorney of celebrities <laughs> right away is what you were. You're like, yo, Anna, <laughs> yo, Anna. You know, you got to look at the good things about Lindsay Lohan. You know, yeah. like I was that guy, and then her audience would get so mad, like her people that loved her, because literally they think, why do you keep putting yourself on that show? Like I was booking myself on the show, yeah. and then it became into this big bit where she would always dog me on the show, and then people would come. I would sell out shows from that show. Mm-hmm. They would come and go, oh, you are funny. Yeah, you know, I I heard. Um, I mean, first of all, I loved you from that show. Like uh, my ex and I, we watched like every single night, and yeah. um, we always loved you on there. And then, um, but I heard from comedians like right away that you were really funny. So, like, oh, that's I, great. So for me, you've always been a comic. Like, like because first of all, the first impression of you was you making me laugh on tel- on a television show that I loved. And then I heard from other comics that you're a good comic. And then I was like, oh, okay, so he's a comic. So, but, um, but I could see how 
Maybe like the, your, the your reg- internal litmus test. You're, yes. you're like, I'm not a comic until X or Y or, you know, whatever. We, we all have, um, we're all chasing whatever we think is the bar, whatever bar we set for ourselves. So you just, you set a high bar for yourself. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. probably why you're a great comedian. Well, that that's why I'm just trying to like, you know, like a lot of people want to get past at the comedy store. Like mm-hmm. I feel my career is not at the place yet where I even want to be passed. But I, I get that some people uh, that are coming up that get past. That's great for it. And I'm not yeah. disrespecting or disregarding anyone. I just see myself getting to a Tiffany Haddish, Kevin Hart, you know, even Dave Chappelle level. Like mm-hmm. that's how big I want to be in comedy, selling out arenas yeah. like a Joe Coy right yeah. now. Then going, then then going. Oh, okay, you're past now. Because then I feel like I deserve it. Yeah. Until then, I feel like you know I'll pop in on shows here and there. But I don't even. I put myself at a high standard. Like, yeah, you want to be at that. Like, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it the level is uh, Dane Chappelle. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Where when you walk in, you're not past, but they'll put you on because you're in town. Yeah. Like, and that's that's when I feel like because to me the comedy store is the holy grail. It really is. And and on a Tuesday night, you'll see every if you're an audience member on a Tuesday night, you'll see every huge touring comic for thirty dollars. So literally you're paying two dollars for each every superstar. Superstar. And superstar. we're not talking about like, oh, they're just local. No, super Sebastian to Bill Burr mm-hmm. to Chris D'Elia to I mean Whitney Cummins to I mean it's just Everybody, you know, it's crazy to me that that because um, I'm I'm getting in at the store right now. I'm doing all those development spots. Yeah, and um, uh, one of my friends, you know, Ari Shafir, right? Oh, of course. When I was, I, it was the night before I moved. He's like, you shouldn't do it. He's like, he goes, he goes, you're never gonna get any spots in L.A. That's how he talks. Like, yeah, it's very choppy. <laughs> yeah, pressured speech. My name is Ari Shafir, <laughs> and um, but he told me that I shouldn't. I shouldn't move out here because he's like, you're never going to get past the store. And I was like, well, I'm willing to do whatever it but takes. But why would he say that, though? He just was like, they're they're not looking for you right now, you know. And um, uh, and I'm like, well, I don't know. You know, like, I know that you got to be like a superstar or whatever in order to get in there. and Or you have to have like a huge, you know, TV show or whatever. And I was like, well, maybe that'll happen and I'll get in. But I'm like, I got to at least try. Yeah. Um. You know, I had the same thinking with the seller and then I got in there, you know, and that seemed impossible. But I moved out here and I just started doing the Monday night potlucks because Adam would let me do that. And so you do three minutes of material. And then eventually he was like, hey, man, he's like, I can't pass you right now because he's, you know, basically like, you know, this is the bar and you got to be at this. And I had just at that time, I had just done my third Tonight Show and so there's a part of me that's like, well, I think I'm a funny enough comic to and, be and, there. and maybe it's a thing where it's us, but once you start comparing, because in your mind, every comic goes, but you have people past that haven't been on The Tonight Show. Yeah. And, 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 but what I learned very quickly in this town, once you go down that road, it'll freaking drive you crazy. Yeah. So you got to stay off that lane. Yeah, I was, uh, I, I actually studied uh, sketch and improv at the UCB after, this was like after I had done a Comedy Central special. I just went to school there and took every class that they could. Uh, it, it was two years that I spent studying there. And they had this big sign up in the lobby that said, be better, not bitter. Yes. And uh, so that was one of those moments where I was like, uh, he offered me these development spots for five minutes and. Um, I think I literally just got one via text uh, just now. Now, um, how do you yeah. get it? Does he text you or does somebody uh, else? The Quincy Weekly just okay. texted me. He said, Monday, uh, belly room, 7.30 p.m. doors. So, like, this means that on this belly room show, I'm going to go up, like, first or second. I'm going to warm the crowd up. 
And um, like, but I go up in the main room and it'll be like, like sometimes you're up first, sometimes you're up last, sometimes you're up in the middle of the show. And it'll literally be like Bill Burr, me, then Joe Rogan, yeah. you know, then, then Sebastian. And like, luckily I, you know, I was kind of a heavy hitter at the cellar so I can handle that. You're used like, to that. I, I'm used to it and I can walk right into it and it's, it feels, it actually feels appropriate and fine. Um, but, uh, at first I was like, I was like, man, maybe this is a little weird to do these development spots, but it's awesome. Like it feels, did you like, feel like at the beginning and, and no disrespect it, but it was kind of like a slap in the face. Like you're putting me through development spots. I had like a second where I was like, where I was like, is this, is this a slap this- in the face? But then I thought, you know, um, so one of my friends told me, he's like, you know, like, like it's a tradition to do development spots yeah. at the store. David Letterman did development spots yeah. there. You know, like I don't think Kinnison did, but like all those, all those eighties guys, like they had, it's to almost like a that. badge of honor. It's it, like, I got to do development spots and now I, and then when I get past, mm-hmm. like you've did the work, you weren't just past. Yeah. And I, I kind of like that, especially with my work ethic. I like that better mm-hmm. and than just walking into town and being handed it. Especially since I was, I walked into New York, was handed everything, then it was taken away, and then I had six years of building back up. I'd rather start building now. Didn't they, yeah. And then you know maybe so I've been doing development spots for like nine months. They've been a blast. Um, I I love the fact that I can even walk into that building and perform on any level, and. Um, you know, maybe a year from now I'll be past past with yeah. my name on the building, but it'll I'll be Peatley, 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 pass, pass, pass. I'll make them do cursive of Peatley, 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 boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Dude, we got to run, but yeah. where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Peatley, Peatley, Peatley. I'm on Twitter at Peatley Tweets. Uh, if you're still on the Twitter, uh, you can go to my website, Peatley.net. And if you're on YouTube, search Peatley Tonight Show and watch all my Tonight Show clips. And Snuggle Storm. Please, please go to iTunes or wherever you find podcasts and listen to Snuggle Storm. It's a really great podcast, I promise. All right, dude. Yeah. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you.